Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From Wasson Village on Jeju Island, this is The Korea File, a weekly podcast about music, culture, and society from all around the peninsula. I'm Andre Goulet. On this episode, Ben Spencer, Exit Interview. I met Ben at Epic Teacher Training in August of last year. We did a 10-day training in Jeonju City, North Jola Province, with 140 teachers from Daegu, Busan, and all of the Jeju hires. At the last day of training, we found out where we would be teaching. Ben got placed on Chuja Island. Chuja Island is two hours northwest of Jeju, but an hour south of the south coast of South Jola Province. Its population of 2,000, it's been shrinking rapidly over the last 10 years, and basically it's the biggest hardship post of any placement for public school teachers in Korea. I spoke with him in October about how his experience had been thus far at that time, and when I found out he was leaving, I wanted to find out how the last four months went. Well, um, I came to Korea with some uh, specifically de- defined like uh, financial goals, which I've reached, and um, having reached them, my girlfriend <laughs> uh, persuaded me to come home. She said, you know, you've, you've done it. You don't need to stay any longer. Um, you know, why don't you come home? And uh, my only answer to that was, like, I, I did want to come home. Um, but uh, my, the only reservation I had was that uh, I wanted to make more money. <laughs> um, which, at Chuju, is a great place to make money. Uh, you don't spend any. So, um, uh, so you know, I've, uh, yeah... I weighed up the opportunity costs and sort of thought that, uh, you know, the money that I earned staying probably wasn't worth the damage that I would do to my relationship if I didn't go home. That's true, actually, because for someone earning on a high grade at, let's say, 2.4 a month, Mm. um, with debts and everything else, you're actually not clearing that much money. So how was it worth it to stay the last six months? Oh, it's actually been like incredibly lucrative. I I, I managed to live on um, about five hundred thousand won a month, and uh, the rest of my earnings I just plowed back into my debts, and um, yeah, I, I got it paid off really quickly. Yeah, it was good uh, in that in that in that sense. So, and but the main draw to get you out of there was your relationship. Well, yeah, and. Um, it wasn't likely that they were going to transfer me. I mean, you know, the the Office of Education wasn't going to transfer me to another school. Once they had someone on the island uh, and they didn't have to look elsewhere to find someone to go there, I think that they were happy to let me, you know, sit out there and, um, and stay. 
uh, which I understand, it's fine. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it wasn't likely that I was going to find another school in Jeju, so or in anywhere else in Korea. So yeah, um, it was. Uh, it, I wasn't really looking forward to that to that prospect. So let's talk about Chuja. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I am interested in the place. I want to read excerpts from an article from the Jeju Weekly, and it's entitled. And you thought Jeju was remote. <laughs> the subtitle is uh, Chuja Island boasts hardy inhabitants, spectacular nature. And that's true. Although I, I have to say that the nature is largely artificial. The, um, uh, the, the hardy inhabitants denuded the island of uh, trees around about, <laughs> around about the 1950s. Um, they ran out of trees. They used it all for fuel. It would have been interesting on the day where they chopped down the last tree. <laughs> I mean, what were they going to do then? <laughs> but um, but uh, um, there was a movement in the 1970s uh, called the... Um, oh, God, I wish I could remember the name of it. It was a Korea-wide thing. It was a nation-building um, movement called the uh, New Village Movement. Same old movement. Right. And uh, the the program that they um, that they pursued in Chujo was uh, planting pine plantations. So when you go out there, uh, all of the all of the trees are about you know uh, thirty years old or something like that. Yeah, they're new, and fresh. Um, okay. What so, else you got for me there? So fishing <laughs> dominates the life of most people there. Yes. Right, um, every day you go out, similar to Jeju, whenever you go down to the beach of an evening, you can see a lot of uh, the squid fishing boats and the lights. The cool thing about Chuja is they do, they do it a lot closer to shore, um, perhaps because the water is deeper, closer to shore there. And so um, you can actually see the, uh, the squid pots being pulled out of the water as the boats pass. And um, yeah, I would say that 90... 5% of people on the island work in the fishing industry. There's a bunch of um there's a bunch of I think I mentioned this in the last interview there was a bunch of um uh fisher fishermen from uh Indonesia and the Philippines there and um I would have been interested to learn more about the way that they live there because the impression that I got from the few times that I spoke to them like they were living on board ship they might not see land for you know, long periods of time. And when they are living on the island, they live in a dormitory. And um, it's tough to get them in a situation where they're not um, in a group overseen by their Korean sort of uh, bosses. So uh, they're they a bit reluctant to speak to me, I think. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out what sort of conditions they live in. Mm. Um, but there's plenty of Korean fishermen out there, plenty of uh, Chuju families engaged in fishing. This is a reading from the article. Mm. The self-described paradise for fishing is home to about 3,000 Chuja people. Mm -hmm. uh, of the working adults, 80% are employed in fishing, according to government statistics. Right. The islands are ringed with halos of squid boats at night, and fishing hotspots along the coast team with Enya during the day. That's true. Um, uh, there's a town called Mukri, and uh, I used to pass through it on the way to one of the schools that I worked at each day, or, you know, three days a week. And um, uh, in the morning, you would see the Hanyo uh, going down to the, to the shore, and in the evenings, you would, well, in the afternoons, you'd see them coming back out again. 
and uh, a, a few of my students, their grandparents, their grandmothers were Hanyo. Actually, there's a there's a man who received a like a national treasure award um, for being one of the few male Hanyo in Korea, and he lives on Chuja. Um, so there's plenty of older people engaged in uh, free diving uh, in Chuja on Chuja, but um, very few younger people. I mean, all in all, there's very few young people on Chuja. But um, the younger people don't, aren't, you know, the same everywhere in Korea. They don't tend to get into it. So, despite the fact that seafood and sea products are essentially the only natural export of Chuja, the island's remarkably self-sufficient and even possesses its own elementary, middle, and high school. So, mm. can you describe your students for uh, I should note, um, the, the article might be a little bit out of date the, the population is only 2,000 currently, and there's no high school. One of the things that they, uh, a lot of people on the island are uh, annoyed about is that the high school closed down. The ed- Office of Education sort of need to fund it anymore. So uh, that's been closed down. There's only an elementary school and a middle school. Most of my students, um, actually a good chunk of them, come from families who have been posted there, like one or other of the parents who are working on the island, and um, their children who, like, you know, like a, a council worker or a police officer or a teacher, their kids are at the school. The rest of the students, obviously, are the children of fishermen. So is that clear in, like, in your teaching? Do you notice that? Uh, no, actually, it's something that I had to sort of investigate to find out. Maybe I'm not that perceptive. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it came out when I got to know them a bit better. Um, uh, the, the kids... Uh, of professionals on the island tend to have uh, tend to be have a better level of English than the kids who uh, live on the island all the time. So uh, I suppose, yeah, in retrospect, you can see it, but at the time, I didn't notice it. So, how about the self sufficiency aspect? What do you I, notice? I think there there are some market gardens. Well, not market gardens, but private gardens on the island where people are growing vegetables, um, but not perhaps to the same degree that there are in, that there is here on Jeju. Are they more private? Like home, home grow. Home yeah, grow. absolutely. Like you know, it'll be instead of having a backyard, you know, in, in behind the stone wall, there'll be like a, a cabbage patch or where they're growing, you know, like um, onions or something like that. But I think the uh, the self sufficiency thing that's a canard. Like it's not it's not really true. Okay. Uh, without trade, the place would die. Mm-hmm. And um, up until up until the nineteen eighties, when they built a um, a seawater uh, purification system, like a, like a, yeah, they were importing their water. So their drinking water came in by naval ship. Um, they weren't, you know, and they were using a couple of uh, a couple of wells and a couple of uh, tanks to store rainwater. But um, yeah, they would have run out of uh, uh, drink, you know, potable water if it weren't for the navy. Mm. So uh, the idea that that they're self sufficient, I. I don't agree. I don't think it's true. Uh, Sangchuja, which is one of the islands, is home to two shrines uh, commemorating a pair of century figures, mm-hmm. uh, General Choi Young, and a teacher known only as Park. Additionally, Sangchuja is home to a recently constructed lighthouse situated atop a hill, mm. providing spectacular views of the sea. Did you go up there? Yeah, I went up there. It's a, it's a great view from the top. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can see the whole island. <laughs> yeah. so is it a view of ourselves? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see, you can see Chuja, all of Chuja. You can see Jeju. You can look down 
uh, and see on a clear day you can see Jeju, uh, and it's really beautiful from the top there. But 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 is it really you know a nation unto itself? Like is it just is it just itself? Is it just Chuja? Perhaps in the past, maybe in the past, but these days. Uh, so many of the local families have left and so many um, new concerns have moved in mm. that it's hard to like justify that. What kind of new concerns? Well, the government's got a lot more involved there. Like, um, almost none of the administration is carried out by local people. It's all done by um, people who've been sent out there from Jeju. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's probably in a state of transition at the moment. I find it hard to believe that in 10 years or 20 years, within a generation anyway, whether Chuju will be anything more than sort of like a place for uh, fishing fleets to take port and for the military to, you know, run a radar base. It's interesting, though, that you brought up um, the shrines because those are actually really interesting characters, although I've forgotten their names. What's the name of the general? Um... Well, his name is General Choi Young. Choi Young, yeah, he was uh, he was sent to Jeju um, by the uh, Joseon Dynasty early in the Joseon Dynasty to consolidate their rule here, and um, he got stopped by a storm on the way to Jeju. He got waylaid, and uh, that's how he ended up on. Chuja. That's why how he ended up on Chuja, and um, while he was there, he noticed the you know he took an interest in the fishing um, techniques they were using. And he thought that they were inefficient. So he introduced like a new net, a new form of fishing. And that's why, that's why the shrine's there, to commemorate, uh, like imparting this knowledge to them. And uh, the other guy, the, the, the teacher, Park, um, was an exile a lot later, towards the end of the Joseon dynasty. And uh, he ended up there. He was a Buddhist teacher and he established the first school on the island. So in the very loose sense, I'm sort of standing in that tradition. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Speak, so. Speaks to the humble sense of isolation. Because it's isolated as fuck. Yeah, it is really but, isolated. But I'm wondering how that affects an individual being there. And how do you perceive that? Mm. I've given this some thought in the last week or so because I was trying to like articulate what I'd learned from my time in Chuja coming away from it now. Uh, I haven't learned that much. I wish that I had had some sort of spiritual awakening, but I spent far too much time on the internet. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, it. Perhaps if I had spent more time like in rocky grottos up in the cliffs or something like that, maybe I would have uh, come to some sort of realization about myself and the world, but I didn't. Um, but I did go for walks uh, occasionally around the cliffs and uh, over, the, like, um, just recently, last week, I thought I should really go and do something. So I went up to Dondesan, which is the highest peak, 164 meters on, uh, on Chuja, <laughs> and um, took, in the, took in the misty blue. Um, but, uh, you know, it's real pretty. <laughs> and and you know you can point one way and say you know there's nothing until you get to China that way and there's nothing until you get to Japan the other way and you know that's kind of cool but apart from those Is sort it? of <laughs> yeah exactly apart from those sort of banal you know um, you know sort of uh, yeah insights I didn't have anything anything interesting yeah nothing profound so 
Life on Chuja is changing rapidly. 20 years ago, the population was 7,000 people. Yeah, right. 20 years ago. This is uh, 95. Yeah. That's and like nothing. That's nothing. Actually, um, I, from that period, for the following 10 years, from 1995 to about 2005, Chuja was doing really well. Its population was dropping like a rock, but um, it was making a, a, a bucket of money because there was a major um, Jeju fishing fleet. Right. Um, based there and it was uh, people were living there you know people important people in that fleet were living on the island and they were investing in businesses and uh, opening up restaurants and um, you know Narabong, Jojumang and the Ole Trail opened up so there was a lot of tourists going there and the local people were making a lot of money even as they were shifting out to you know because uh, <laughs> they could <laughs> but um, uh, probably about um, seven or eight years ago that fishing fleet relocated to Jeju and all of the new buildings that are on Chuja are from that period and they're, they're falling into decay it's really, uh, it's really sad mm. so um, a couple of those people are still there we um, went to a chicken restaurant fairly regularly and the proprietor of the chicken restaurant um, had, you know, this was their side business their main focus was on fishing and um, their, their daughter was studying at, um, like, Stanford in the U.S. Uh, on scholarship, but, you know, like, uh, all of her expenses paid by her parents and stuff like that. Like, you know, there, there's people on the move in Chuja going places, but then there's a lot of people, like, you know, left high and dry by this, you know, exodus of people and capital, you know. So for Chuja as a... A part of the nation and trying to figure out how to carry on as, as part of Korea mm. in response to that negative population growth and a leveling, leveling off of the tourists Chuja government has started to promote festivals yep. um, and they uh, back in 2008 anyways they were inviting Korean and international travelers to the unique islands 2008 was visit Chuja Island year and in that year they saw their tourist population double mm. um so, in this article it says, whether or not Chuja becomes Korea's next hot tourist destination, its people and cultures will persist. The islands have been populated for hundreds of years without the aid of national tourism campaigns. And such self-sufficient culture, utterly dependent on the moody sea for its livelihood, learns to endure and make the best of what it has. What did you see in terms of endurement? Seven years on, I'm not so optimistic. I, really? No, really. I, I think that like it will become, like I said, in a generation, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be a place of, like, it'll be important for strategic reasons. It's stuck in the middle of the Jeju Strait, and there is a naval base there, when, you know, like a radar base. And there is, you know, the still still opportunities for making money fishing. But I can't see, like, the the generation of kids that I taught, they're not staying on Chuja. They're all leaving. They're, they all have aspirations elsewhere. So it's going to have to be staffed by people. You know, it, it'll be an administrative post, that, nothing more. That's how you see the future of the island? <laughs> I'm afraid so. Yeah, as a tourist destination to a certain degree, I mean, there are plenty of people who go there walking and fishing. Uh, but on a day-to-day basis, uh, I my 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 prediction is that it will be a 
you know, sort of like a backwards posting for like minor officials and people who have had affairs and, you know, can't really progress in their careers and stuff like that. I, the teachers who work there, I, I, um, I should excuse them from that statement. Yeah, but they are, they are there because of the incentives that the Office of Education extends to them for working in a, like a, a, a remote post. And uh, they're all looking at like uh, a pay, a, a significant pay rise, and uh, and um, jump up the ranks. So they're doing it for their careers. Nobody's doing it for the love of Chuja. Uh, everybody that are, all the professionals that I met there were either there on their military service, or because they got posted there because uh, for for whatever reason, either that they were offered some sort of incentive, or um, it was a punishment post. So in terms of this concept of hardship post. Yeah, um, that's it. Thank you. Most people are put there for nation. And they're mm. put there for concepts of, of patriotism. Yeah. And things like that. And for you, this was not the case. <laughs> so how did you cope with a lack of patriotism or just a, anything like that? In I, terms of how you woke up every morning. How did you How did you work with it? You were there for six months. I saw it as a as a chance to, um, you know, work on projects that were dear to my heart. Like I was working on a book, not that it's finished, but uh, I got a lot, a substantial amount of work done. And um, and as a chance to catch up in my education, I did I did some online courses. I really tried to t- treat it like a like a holiday from reality. You know what I mean? Like where I could take a, a bubble of time, and just like I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have to pay rent, um, you know, like my expenses were low, I could save a lot of money, you know, that's something that you can't do when you're living in the city, and I, you know, like, uh, w- when you're hanging out with friends and stuff like that, like, of course you want to go out, and, and if it's convenient to do it, you got to do it, you know what I mean, because, you know, like, life is short, so I couldn't see myself saving the sort of money that I did anywhere else, and I, I really saw it in those terms as a, as a chance to achieve, uh, like, some goals that I wouldn't have... That would have been so much harder, taken so much more willpower to achieve if I had been living in society. So what's your ultimate judgment on your six months here? How do you feel about it? Uh, really good. Yeah? Yeah, no, I'm really happy with it. Um, I, I feel a little bit strange. When I first came in and met you guys today, I was... Uh, like, it took me a little bit to get into a conversation... <laughs> which was a little bit embarrassing but um I'm doing okay now and <laughs> and uh you know like the, it's like riding a bike yeah the skills will come back um but um and and definitely I was lonely uh, from time to time but um uh but you know like I'm at the end now I don't have to I don't have to deal with that so I, I feel now that those uh like those present concerns are gone like the the loneliness and the boredom uh, I look back and I think, yeah, I, I had a rewarding time. Like, I achieved uh, some things that I wanted to do. And uh, it wasn't... Day to, the day-to-day wasn't ter- it wasn't awful. And and Chujur is a beautiful place, you know what I mean? Like, I was I was blessed to be able to, um, you know, every day wake up to, like, the, uh, a, a, a serene ocean. It wasn't always serene, but definitely, you know, it had a character to it. I, I, was, I got into that and, um, uh, you know... It wasn't about this. It wasn't about the company I was keeping. It was more about you know, um, me. It was about me <laughs> and the environment that I was in. So what's next for Ben Spencer? Uh, well, I'm heading to Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. My girlfriend lives in Ireland. I'm going to move to Belfast, and uh, in Northern Ireland. And um, 
I am aiming to get work in the media somewhere. But uh, in the short term, that's, 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 a, that's something I'm going to have to work on in the short term. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to get a temp job. <laughs> Find a house, buy a car, you know, set myself up. Your partner has a house. Uh, she lives with her parents currently. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we we just uh, we just put down a deposit on a on a rental. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be a big departure from your change of life. Are you ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can safely say that I'm ready. That's the Creophile for this week. Thanks to Ben Spencer. You can find the Creophile on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and tune in next week for a conversation with urban exploration expert John Dunbar. We'll also be talking about punk rock and the cults of Korea. If you like this show, recommend it. From Hwasun Village on Jeju Island, I'm Andre Goulet. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.